Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Radio. We are live. Live coming from St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Williston, North Dakota. Uh, and the Catholic school system here. We also have the mission uh, churches of St. John the Baptist in Trenton and St. Boniface of Granora. And with me today is Father Gregory Luger. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Welcome. This is his first airing on Real Presence Radio Live for a show. Yes, so. it's, it's good to be here. It, it's good to have you here. He's he's uh, got that voice for radio, and he's got the face for radio too. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good in person too. <laughs> no, he, he's wonderful inspiration around here. Um, he's got a lot of gifted talent that God's given him. I don't want to give him too big of a head, but he's he's very talented. Well, thank and you. We're very much appreciative that he's here. And we also have with us today, this morning, our first guest, Amy Fox. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. So you are over in, uh, are you in Cook, Minnesota? Is that right? Well, a little bit south of Cook. We actually live in Britt, but our our home parish is St. Mary's up in Cook. St. Mary's up in Cook. Okay. So how far do you travel? We're used to traveling over here in North Dakota. Is it like a 15-minute jog or? Yeah, well, yeah. Close to that. Depends on the roads, I guess. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, about 15 minutes. Good, good deal. So, um, Amy, you have been with us on Real Presence Radio before, um, mm-hmm. and uh, anybody listening can uh, jump back to uh, June 12th, I believe, or back there in uh, June, and we have uh, a prior um, segment on our uh, broadcast system. Anybody that's listening, you can catch us on uh, Facebook and on our um, app and on the internet. So just look us up, yourcatholicradiostation.com. And Amy, um, you were not um, raised Catholic. You converted to Catholicism. I know you shared with us previously that um, you were at your confirmation. You were just um, very elated that there were so many others that had that same faith. Um, but share with us a little bit about, so you receive the sacraments, and the next step is going to college, but also um, stepping into a vocation. So were you out there looking for a Catholic husband? Well, actually, I was raised Catholic. Oh, well, you were? Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> okay. That's okay. My parents were not Catholic when I was growing up. So, um, by the grace of God, they are both practicing Catholics now. But, yeah, when I was growing up, they weren't Catholic. So, actually, um, when I was when I was looking for a husband, I guess, <laughs> that way, but when I had decided or realized that my vocation was marriage, it actually wasn't important to me to find a husband who is Catholic. That wasn't one of the criteria that was on my list because my I hadn't been raised around a lot of other Catholics, and I didn't know that 
I didn't understand at the time how important that would be to my life. So that is another amazing gift that God has given me that he knew that I would be at this point in my life sometime and I would need the strong man that my husband is to really support everything that he had in store for us. So thankfully, my husband is Catholic. Um, I actually met at college. We went to Bemidji State and um, he was also raised Catholic. Both of his parents are Catholic and I really took that for granted um, actually even into our marriage, well into our marriage. And I the the whole even starting with our sacramental marriage, you know, even that whole part of it. But then when I really started learning more about my faith and started to um, really embrace everything that being Catholic is, it just like in the past ten years maybe has really become obvious to me just how important and how big of a blessing it is that we do share the same faith. So when our family started growing and we had our children baptized, those big, important decisions that every family has to make really weren't decisions for us at all. We knew our kids would be Catholic, and he is just a beautiful example for our kids, especially for our boys. We have two sons, and he, my husband, has just really grown in his faith lately and has worked to really kind of bring that same love of faith for our kids. And, you know, you look around in the church, and I think we just need more strong Catholic men. And when I look sitting next to me is one of them, and I just am so grateful for that blessing in my life and in, and for our kids, you know, really a lot for them. And, uh, you know, how how important has been the just the faith to your marriage? You know, I mean, first of all, I'll ask you this question. How long have, have you been married to your husband? Well, we've been married for 12 years now. Okay. So we got married in 2008. And I guess, you know, how has the practice of the faith uh, really benefited your marriage in a positive way? Well, I think it's really been an anchor for us because, you know, we've had some difficulties, but when we have those struggles, you know, you just turn back to your faith and there are so many, you know, there are the sacraments of, um, you know, like we can go to confession and we can get ourselves right with God and then we're more able to be there for each other and be what each other needs. And there are so many resources in the church that have really taught us how to be better Catholics. And in being better Catholics, we can be better spouses for each other and really just help to bring out the gifts that God has given each of us through our marriage. Yeah. Do you find that you need to uh, talk to each other quite a bit about those um, decisions and uh, Maybe the kids bring out the fact that they there's an aspect of the faith that you didn't realize that you needed to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they the kids definitely bring out a lot of a lot of things. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the great gifts, though, is that you know we've learned so much more about our faith and about who we are through our kids and what what they need and what you know how how to raise them as strong catholic people as well and yeah, yeah so that example that that example like you said that um i know your background is that you also traveled to um uh toronto canada is that where mm-hmm. jo- pope john paul ii was mm-hmm. so um 
I grew up in that era with John Paul II also. And um, what an example in all the writings that he left us about mm-hmm. being Catholic and working together in your faith to be an example to that child, to give that child strength, especially when they step off the path that we would like them to be on. Right. Do, you, do you have yeah. some witness to that for us? Oh, definitely. Um, I think that's one of the things that we're focusing on most with our kids and one of the one of the biggest reasons that we want to bring them up and as strong Catholics and teach them about the faith because they, you know, they just, it's so much easier to raise them and to live really. It's just so much easier when you're doing it the way God intended or at least trying. And we have so many tools in our faith. You know, we have the saints to look at when we need help. And we have all the devotions, the sacramentals, the sacraments themselves. And I feel like raising our kids Catholic is just really equipping them to succeed with whatever path God has out there for them and to get back on that path if they do fall off. So, Mm-hmm. And, and now you're, you're going to be having your fourth child, you said. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, thank you. So that was what, quite the journey itself. <laughs> was it? Awesome. Yeah. So um, you can tell us a little bit about that discernment and um, with, I don't know, the expansion of your the age range of your children. Can you, can you give us a little example of the growth of your family and how you had to make that decision and the love that we have as parents that we can pour our love out to more than just one child. Because I remember um, uh, having being pregnant with my second child and uh, my third and I five and thinking, wow, God is expanding our life to have even more love. To How can my heart be any bigger? Mm-hmm. Well, so our oldest is, we have, um, our boys are 10 and 8. And our daughter Hannah is four. So we have we have a pretty good friend so far. But um, we had so my husband and I had decided you know he wanted a smaller family, and I wanted I kept telling him I mean when we were married <laughs> three to six three to six would be fine. <laughs> so that was one of those big discussions we had to have was what, how many children we were going to have, and um, so our first three. We had, well, I remember with Noah when I was, he was our first, and I remember being pregnant with Isaiah, and I just remember being so terrified that how was I possibly going to not only find enough love in my heart to share it with this other child, but how was I going to protect him, and how was I going to be there for him in the same ways that I needed to be there for Noah, and it just, it just happened, and then you just, you just put that trust in God, and it was it was very scary for a couple months there with Isaiah, but then the baby is born and you just realize it really is such a beautiful blessing and so much grace there. Yeah. What uh, blessings and father. Yeah. One thing I actually just, you know, came to mind as you were talking there, Amy, uh, is actually, uh, you know, what you just mentioned is actually uh, shared by, I think many women and actually by many men as well. Um, I think a lot of people, when they are approaching, you know, parenthood, they all think, you know, can I share this love with this child? Can I love my first, my second child as much as my second? Or, you know, the, you know, I think mm-hmm. those are all commonly felt throughout all parents. And all, all of those fears, I think, are very, well, very common and very widespread. 
And one thing that I've found in my experience, and this actually goes with all vocations, whether it be uh, parenthood or it be uh, priesthood, religious life, we always find that God always provides for the graces that we need in order to fulfill our vocations. And that in many ways, he kind of says, I told you so. That, you know, <laughs> you really could handle this. I really did give you the tools that you needed in order to be a good mother, a good wife, um, a good husband, good or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I just, um, that is something that's very commonly felt among all parents. Um, and I see that as a priest. Um, so often people think they're the only ones that have these fears. And I say, well, let me tell you, um, <laughs> an estimated every single one of all the women that walk into this parish have expressed the exact same fear that, that you just right. expressed. <laughs> right. so. and, and Amy, you know, that is, you know, it, I would think that we would, we, that's what makes us good parents. So you're being, um, uh, your parents not practicing their faith when you were younger and now practicing your faith. How has the children, the grandchildren, brought you and influenced your family? Oh, that's been, that's been beautiful in itself. So my dad was actually baptized two or three years ago. And um, I think having the kids in church and seeing that, seeing them practice their faith and learning from them at a level that's maybe more accessible, you know, and seeing that, um, Seeing that joy and that comfort that they have with their faith, I think it just really makes, gives us kind of an entry point to be like, well, if, if these little kids can understand and experience it in this way, then I want some of that joy and I want some of that peace that they're experiencing. And it's really, you know, seeing the kids involved in Mass and seeing them participate, I think it encourages us to even grow deeper in our faith as well. Yes, um, the depth of our faith. Father, have you experienced that also in the parishes? That we there's that depth that reaches all the way to the grandparents or the uncles and the aunts and the support system out there? Oh, certainly. Um, and I've seen it, especially in very devout families, where you know the strength of that family structure really does trickle down to the children. And I can't express strongly enough just how important that is. Uh, to the faith life of children is to see it not only in their parents but their grandparents their aunts their uncles and that has a profound effect on them because it really it normalizes the faith for them and then they see okay this is just part of life and then right. yeah i've seen that firsthand yeah. among many families um, yeah yep. Okay, well, thank you. You are listening to Real Presence Radio Live, and we are here with Amy Fox and, from Minnesota and Father Gregory Luger from Williston, St. Joseph's Parish in particular, with St. John the Baptist Trenton, St. Boniface Granora, and we're going to take a break and be right back. And this is Lori Leffer. Talk to you soon. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with an end-of-year gift planning tip. With the end of the year approaching, a charitable gift can help you support our mission and receive tax benefits. In addition to gifts of cash, here is a gift strategy worth considering. Gifts of appreciated assets such as securities or real estate are an excellent way for you to help our cause. Securities may be transferred directly to us, while real estate is transferred through a deed. These gifts will not affect your cash flow, and they provide the following tax benefits. A charitable deduction to help you save on taxes, a bypass of federal and state capital gains taxes, and an avoidance of tax on net investment income. To learn more about these strategies and the benefits of making an end-of-year gift, please call or visit our website today at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. We have all lost someone to the reality of death, some more tragic than others. I'm Father Chris Alar. While grieving is a natural process, it helps if you know how to navigate your way through it. As my friend Sammy Wood says, you can never get over a tragic loss, but you can get through it. Come to know the stages of grief, which are acute, integrated, and complicated grief. Seek help whenever needed, either from a friend or especially from medical professionals. There is no shame in asking for help. Remember, Jesus accepted the help of his followers while bearing the weight of the cross on his way to Calvary. Don't go it alone. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. We are here in the beautiful city of Williston, North Dakota at St. Joseph's Catholic Church. And we have our guest today, Amy Fox. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. And we have Father Luger with us. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, your other host this morning, Lori Leffer. Um, so we were visiting with Amy and a little bit about her background in developing her um, Catholicism and her faith and deepening her experience uh, with God and um, just on that path that all of us journey on in our lifetime and the decisions that we have to make and we finally realize that they are actually rooted in the Holy Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Amy, so um, you and your husband, Bob, are teaching the Catholic faith to your beautiful three children and fourth one on the way. (laughs) We are. (laughs) So Um, what kind of tools do you start out with with them when they're young? Well, we have... um We've been developing this. It's a work in progress, for sure, as I'm sure every family is. But, you know, I didn't have those same tools and traditions in my house when I was growing up. So we're trying to develop them, and I feel like every day is a little bit different. But um, we have a great pastor right now, Father Nick. Um, Father Nick Nelson is the pastor at St. Mary's right now for the Diocese of Duluth. 
And he has really been helpful in helping us take the next step toward accomplishing that goal. And so we're just trying to trying to make our faith more and more a part of our everyday lives. And Father Nick has this great saying that the faith is better caught than taught. So Interesting. basically that, right, that if we just mm. practice our faith to the best of our ability and learn more about it ourselves, then the things that we do every day will help our children to catch on to that and then um, just really keep them immersed in their faith and always have those tools to turn back on when they when they find themselves in need. Yes, I find that that, that is um, the case also with my children. Um, my children range all the way from a couple of them uh, in marriages right now, um, you know, and they went to college. Um, my oldest daughter is um, hopefully going to be engaged soon. She's waiting <laughs> patiently. <laughs> and then I have two that are in that uh, teenage area there, just starting college and still in high school. So I absolutely understand where you're coming from with this um, experience of what Father Nick says, uh, catch it instead of, you know, more or less teach it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if they catch on and seeing you doing actions. So what are some of your favorite ones that you and your husband have? Well, we... My, um, we take time every morning for prayer, and um, we make sure that each every night, actually, my husband, he's really working on kind of becoming more that faith leader in our household, which is really beautiful, I think, another great example for our kids, that it, that's their dad's place, and that's like he's the leader of the household, and he's the leader of our, of our faith life, too, and needs to take responsibility for that, and he's doing a beautiful job of that. So he leads them in prayer before bed every night. You know, he um, goes through the saints of the day. He always teaches them about the saints every night. And so there are little things like that. But then it's also in the little things, you know, like in how we, even in disciplining our kids, we try the best we can to bring our faith into it. And I was so, so happy yesterday. Noah, our oldest, he's in fifth grade, and yesterday he got his first note home for his behavior at school, and he, the kids go to a Catholic school, which is another amazing blessing, and I just, I would never, it wasn't something we were planning to do, it was something we were definitely led to, and he's been one of the greatest decisions we've ever made for our kids. But he got in trouble at school yesterday because a friend had made a joke at another classmate, and Noah laughed at the joke and contributed kind of to the teasing that was going on. So obviously I was disappointed that he had done that, but I was so grateful for what his teacher did, and I couldn't help but smile because the note that he brought home had three Bible verses on it, and each verse was about how we're taught how we need to treat others. And so his punishment for this behavior that he had done was to read these three Bible verses and really think about what they teach us about how we should treat others. So he had to write this paragraph yesterday for school about what the Bible teaches us about how we should be treating each other. So that was really beautiful. And so I appreciate that the school is supporting it too. But um, at home, you know, we do the same kinds of things. Isaiah, are, he's eight now, but he's struggled a lot with self-control and some stubbornness. And it's been amazing for me to be able to offer him some 
faith-based solutions to a struggle because they do have such a strong faith and they have that childlike faith in God and in Jesus. And when you can tap into that and teach them that when you're struggling with this, turn to your faith and teaching them that now, you know, he, he finds a lot of comfort in, you know, I can do all things through Christ. And he also prays to St. Michael a lot for, for help when he just when he knows that what he's doing is wrong but he's having a lot of trouble overcoming it so that's been really helpful to us too and you know hannah she's only our daughter's only four but she's still picking things up and so when she does things that are unkind or does things that are hurtful to others instead of just asking her like was that is that appropriate you know whatever we can ask her we can say well is that how jesus wants us to treat each other and she too has this such a strong devotion to Jesus, and she doesn't want to disappoint him, doesn't want to let him down, and she understands how much he loves her, and they just have such a strong faith. And it's beautiful then when you can turn to that and say, is this what he teaches us, and is this the, is this what you want for your life? And, I mean, even at four, she can make that choice, and she knows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, how many, um, does she get to go to, I, I assume, like a catechism or a faith formation class? And well, Go ahead. She has. She has. Um, she, she was going weekly last year um, to the catechism classes at St. Mary's, but now this year she's actually started preschool at Marquette. They have, uh, she, can, she could have started last year, but yeah, she started this year, and so she's bringing so much home from that, too. Right. So this is, we only have a few minutes uh, left in our program here, Amy. Um, Father, do you want to give us a little insight in, on that importance of that connection of who you are, even as a child, and who you connect up with, and then how that influence is of that person, like the teacher that Amy was giving us that mm-hmm. that um, gave that example to her son, mm-hmm. there is a different choice and there's a different direction. And then Amy, we'll come back to you and if you could give us some insight about those choices and like a really um, great choice that you and your husband had to make here recently too. Go ahead, mm-hmm. Father. Yeah, a few things that I would like to say about that. First of all, you, you talked about identity and who you really are. Um, you know, how you really see yourself does you know, affect your behavior. And of course, both for ourselves and for our children, uh, we want to understand that we are beloved children of God. And a child of God, uh, of course, acts differently than somebody who is not a child of God. And the other thing that um, I did want to talk about briefly is just what, what your pastor said, how the faith is you know, better caught than taught. Um, because we know, of course, that you know, teaching the faith is important and making sure that you know, kids know their catechism, they know the doctrine of the Trinity and the sacraments. And at the same time, uh, we know that that doctrine, it needs to strike the heart as well. And the way that often happens is through the positive, positive example of people in that child's life, particularly pr- parents, grandparents, pastors. I mean, I can, I can teach a kid all day, but if it doesn't strike his heart, it's not going to do very much. And that was actually something that I would often, something that would actually kind of bother me a little bit whenever I would teach catechism, is I would sit there on Wednesday nights trying to teach these kids, but on the one hand, you would have the one child who 
He's there every single Sunday with his mom and dad. He's listening. He's paying attention. And then on the other hand, you have this other kid who his only experience of church is catechism class on Wednesdays, never goes to mass. Parents are lukewarm. And that's being a bit generous in some cases. And you kind of feel like you're talking to a wall there. And again, right within that is where you see that importance of the, of the positive example within a child's life in order for them to really desire and choose uh, to live our Catholic faith. Yeah. Yeah. And and Amy, you and Bob are giving us some wonderful examples here, and and you have something to share with us. Your fourth child, you had to make a decision there. This this was like something we did. that yeah, it was quite the quite the journey. So we had decided. I mean, because we at the time thought it was our decision to make that Hannah was going to be our last child, and we weren't going to have any more kids. And through this, over the past summer, kind of starting in. June, God kind of took us both down this crazy path of events that now, looking back, you can string them all together, but, you know, in in June, the idea of wearing a veil at Mass had been presented to me and why women would do that, and I couldn't imagine why a woman would do that. And then July came, and a very close friend who was a very devout Catholic explained to me why women would do that. And then I asked Father Nick, is this something I should be doing? And he said, well, that's something you have to discern. So as a family, we discern that. And really, to me, what really hit home was that it's your acceptance of complete surrender to God's will for your life. And so this, this was an outward way for me to, to show that. And so I started veiling at Mass, and it, a couple weeks later, it was this realization that came that I'm surrendering the rest of my life to God. Why can't I surrender my ability to have more kids to him too and our family? And really it was, it was just so obvious to me that he was calling us to have more kids. And we went from July when we had decided we were a family of five to August when it was like, no, we need to be open to life and we need to give that example to our children and to the rest of the people in our community. So wonderful. A month later we were pregnant and here we are expecting our fourth with so much joy and so much happiness. This is just a a beautiful story and oh everybody we are out of time. We are we're going to have to have you on, Amy, and continue this journey with you. <laughs> we'll have to get into talking about the veil and about how it is to expand your children and um, deepen that faith even more. You two are such a wonderful example. Thank you for sharing and being with us on Real Presence Radio again this morning. And everyone out there, we will be coming right back, and we will be uh, diving into that story about uh, some kings that carried that gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Stay with us on Real Presence Live and find out who is going to be sharing that information with us. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 